0: This is the Best Friends Podcast, dedicated to sharing the people and programs that are ending the killing of cats and dogs in America's animal shelters. You'll hear from animal welfare leaders from across the movement who will share the innovative and collaborative work that are creating life-saving successes in communities of all sizes. Hello and welcome to the Best Friends Podcast. My name is John Dunn. Today is May the 26th, and this week we're talking about marketing during a crisis, because chances are your shelter,
1: your community, you're facing one right now. Our shelter is at critical capacity. Every single kennel is filled, and we even have overflow kennels that are filled. In the past 11 days, we've taken in 413 new pets. What you're
0: hearing is a TikTok created by KC Pet Project. It's the organization that holds the sheltering contract for Kansas City, Missouri.
1: We are looking for the support of our community now more than ever. If you're local to Kansas City, consider volunteering, fostering, or adopting. It seems like
0: it's tough just about everywhere right now. In most areas, animal shelter intake is up and adoptions are down. Combined with the staffing issues and the economic struggles, there's nothing else to call it except a crisis. And as soon as you make a little bit of headway, an adoption event, you create a new transport connection. It's not long before you're back at capacity again. Crisis mode. Make some headway. Wash, rinse, repeat. KC Pet Project took on the sheltering contract for the city in 2012, bringing the live release rate up from 38% to 90% within just a few months. They have maintained their no kill status over the past decade, unquestionably in part due to their marketing efforts. They're very, very good at it. They have a great ability to rally the community around the goal of saving lives. And in the case of TikTok, Rallying support from people across the country and even the world. Their TikTok following has eclipsed 1.2 million people. And that's not just a fancy number. They are seeing adopters come in from across the country and donations come in from around the world. But TikTok is just a small part of what they're doing to save lives during these trying times. To learn more, I chatted with Tori Fugate, the Chief Communications Officer for Pet Project. I know a little bit about Kansas City and the KC Pet Project. Tori, uh, you've got the sheltering contract for Kansas City, right? Uh, and I think not last year, year before 2020, you also took on the contract for animal services from the city. Can you uh, just give me a high level overview of what's going on there uh, and a little bit about the organization?
2: Yeah, at Casey Pet Projects, we have had the sheltering contract for the city of Kansas City, Missouri for the past 10 years. We recently celebrated our 10-year anniversary on January 1st, which is really exciting. Um, And then we have had the animal control contract for the city of Kansas City, Missouri since December of 2020. So we are um, really growing and doing a lot here in Kansas City. It, of course, never feels like it is enough, especially with the volume of animals coming in right now. Um, We are really our biggest challenge right now is that we are taking in a record number of animals. Traditionally, before COVID, we were about uh, 10,000 animals a year, maybe 11,000. And then in 2021, we were at 14,000 pets. And then we are well on our way to taking in more than 15,000 this year. So the numbers are going in the wrong direction. Um, so we are really trying to get to the root of what is what is happening in our community and how that is impacting pets and people and looking at what we can do to sort of um, do a little bit more Uh, work out in the community so we can keep more pets out with their families versus them having to come into the shelter in the first place. So
0: that increase in intake, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have an understanding as to why it's up, but I'm curious if you do, do you think it's COVID related, you know, coming back after the pandemic or, you know, has that change in you taking on animal services, did that contribute at all?
2: Surprisingly enough, um, when we took on the animal services contract, our numbers really didn't change that much. What we are doing with them is seeing a lot more pets reunited out in the field versus coming into the shelter, you know, and maybe getting reunited with their families. So they're really active of, you know, walking with an animal, a dog that's found and making sure they're going door to door to see if the pet belongs to somebody, which is great. And then um, really the biggest reasons that we're seeing more pets coming in is we are seeing more strays that are coming in more lost and found pets that are brought in by people of Kansas city, Missouri. And then our owner surrender numbers have gone up over 50% versus what they were pre COVID. So we are seeing this massive increase and on the dog side, especially over 40% of all the dogs that are being surrendered by families, by, by their owners here in Kansas city um, are due to housing related concerns or simply that they cannot afford them anymore. So housing is really what we're looking at and how we can kind of get ahead of, of what those issues are. Um, mainly, it's people that can't find a place to live that is affordable and will allow their pets. So that is a huge reason that people are having to give up their animals, which is absolutely heartbreaking. And we are working really hard to try to keep as many pets and people together as we can. But until we get you know to the bottom of. What you know? What the real issue is that there isn't enough housing options for people in Kansas City um, that have pets. Then, then we will just continue to see numbers like this coming in.
0: Well, thankfully, this is not a podcast about economics, <laughs> um, but you know, it's not a good mix right now, is it? I mean, we've already been struggling with a whole bunch of different things. Now we're adding the rising inflation. So we didn't have enough pet-friendly housing options to begin with, and now what might be available is likely going to be out of reach financially for some folks. So, you know, it's like a lot of bad things just all coming to a head in the worst way, you know?
2: It really is. And unfortunately, it's really impacting big dogs the most, of course. Um, so we are seeing more large breed dogs that are coming into our shelter and a lot of pit bull dogs that are coming in as well that maybe aren't allowed because of their breed still, which is really just so unfortunate. Um, we have so many amazing dogs here and it's devastating for these families to have to have to give them up um, because of these reasons. So uh, we're, you know, we're working with our city officials and just kind of getting it on everyone's radar. We've been fortunate to have some media stories about this, letting people know that um, this is a real concern for us and it will continue to be until we kind of uh, change, change some of the insurance practices and housing practices in our city.
0: Well, and this is why we wanted to have you on, Tori, to talk about how to be more effective during times like this, times of crisis, communicating with your community Mm -hmm. about what's happening, you know, for fear of sounding like a broken record, transparency, so important. I think you all at Pet Project do such a great job of telling the story of what's happening and how people can help. Mm -hmm. And you do that in a number of ways. But I thought maybe one place to start would be with what you call the impact reports, these are incredibly comprehensive monthly reports. You put them out, they're up on the website, and they're really detailed about the entire operation. Can you talk about the reports and I guess what the impact has been, uh, if you will, from the impact reports?
2: Absolutely. So each month, our CEO and President Teresa Johnson, um, who's been with Pep Project since day one when we took on the contract, um, she asks for all of our management level staff to um, write sort of a high-level overview of what happened during the month. And we are responsible for tracking a lot of data and metrics. And each department, we love data at KC Pet Project, so then we can be transparent about that data. And so she asks for these high-level reports in <clears throat> each month. She puts them together and it's been something, a practice that we've done for years with our board of directors and we send them to our city um, that we, you know, report to the city officials we report to and city council members and things like that. And then this year we were like, why aren't we publishing these to the public? Um, These are wonderful reports that just give everybody insight into all the work that happens here. And they're traditionally over 10 pages long. Like there's so much activity that happens here on a monthly basis. Um, it's just really staggering to to go through, and for me as a communicator and a marketer, it's just chock full of information and content and stats and fun stories and things like that that I can share with our community in so many different ways. So we started putting those; they're on under the About tab on our website, and we publish them on our Facebook page, and you know, um, still sending them to the city. The city actually publishes them on their website as well for Kansas City, Missouri. So. They've been really great. I mean, it gives us so much insight into everything that happens here um, just on a monthly basis. And it's really staggering just the amount of work that happens here um, and all the work that our staff does to go in uh, and, and help people and pets in Kansas City, Missouri. So I highly encourage everybody to to do something that is a similar practice. And plus, it's great. You know, if you're looking at the end of the year, what happened, you can just have this comprehensive, like huge report that you can share um, with your donors, with your supporters, with your volunteers, and your staff, just to let them know of, wow, but look at look at all we accomplished this year.
0: Well, and I can tell you from experience that doing monthly reports like that makes your life much, much easier at the end of the year. By the way, we'll have links to all of these things, examples. Check out the link in the show notes of your podcast player for episode 112. Just quick shout out for data, it's important to understand that without good data collection, for sure. it's going to be difficult for anyone to emulate what you're doing. You know, you've said how much you love data at KC Pet Project. It sounds like you've really baked it into the culture.
2: We have and it's we from day 1 we wanted to be really transparent with our community and you know, we took over a shelter that was really, it was a, it was a hard place to work. Um, and for, it was a hard place for people to come and adopt. And it was a, you know, nearly 50 year old former construction shed out in the middle of nowhere and to get people to come and help us to adopt from us. And anybody who had ever been there before KC Pet Project had a, like a horror story of going there. Um, because it was such, you know, they were euthanizing about 70% of the animals that were coming in each year. And, From day one, we turned it around and we were, you know, saving 90 percent or higher within six months of taking on the contract when everybody said it couldn't be done. So we just knew from the start that we had to be really transparent. And I came in to this world not knowing anything about animal welfare. And I was like, well, we just need to like put put the word out about what our needs are, what are what are supplies we need? You know what, donations, let's set up Amazon wish lists, doing all these things um, and regularly telling the community how they can help. Because if your community doesn't come along with you and doesn't trust the work that you're doing and the numbers that you're putting out, um, just continually putting that out there helps build trust. And we'll make people think of you whenever they're thinking, oh, I want to adopt a dog or I want to have a donation drive or I want to bring my kids out and do a project. And so we want to be top of mind here in Kansas City when people think of animal welfare and if they want to help. So we've just really worked hard to get our name out there and, and talk about the work that we do. And it never there, there never seems to be enough time to share all the content because there's so much that happens here.
0: So as I was looking at these reports, and I mean this in a good way, I promise, it was overwhelming. Like, it is a big dump of everything, really, that's happening across the organization. And at a place the size of KC Pet Project, it's a lot of things. And the other thing I noticed was the way the information is presented. Like, there are a lot of terms that I would consider to be pretty insider, kind of really granular type stuff. Data points like length of stay, for example. You know, I'm not sure, Tori, how much of the public understands that data point Do they know what's good? Do they know what's bad? And, you know, maybe this report doesn't have to explain all of that. It is just that big repository. And then it's on you to sort of pull things out. But yeah, I'm just curious how you make the decisions around things like language and what to include in the data and communicating that to the public.
2: Absolutely. And I think for us this year, we kind of when we did our strategic plan for the year, I said, I really want us to be a lot more literal (laughs) with the things that we talk about, because for so many people, you know, we could say, look at all these RTOs we've done. And people are like, what is that? What what does RTO stand for? Um, And I tell my staff all the time, think back to when before you worked at animal welfare before I started here. I didn't know what Parvo was for the first six months that I worked here. And then I heard about it one day and I was like, what's that? So you always have to kind of put things in perspective for the people, for everybody that you're reaching out to. And those reports are a little bit more in depth, but then I can take that information and maybe a story that was shared or a stat and really turn it into um, you know, something that The general public can understand. And we really focus on our insights on our social media pages, looking at our audience, and then also how we can reach new audiences. And so we've been really creative trying to get more stories in like community papers or neighborhood association groups, and really trying to get the word out. Um, to maybe people that don't follow us on Facebook and and we want to bring them along. And of course, our, our TikTok page has been uh, remarkable for educating people um, all over the world. So even when we share things on there, we're sharing it with people who may live in Romania and the Netherlands and Taiwan. And I mean, we have people that all over the world follow us on there. So uh, we are really trying to just share what animal welfare could be like in your community, in your neighborhood, wherever that may be. Well,
0: so let's talk about your marketing efforts right now during this really tough time,
2: mm-hmm. specifically
0: the shelter capacity graphic you created to show the public the kennel space or lack of kennel space, I suppose. Again, you can see the graphic uh, show notes area of your podcast player. will have a link. You can also go to bestfriends.org slash podcast episode 112. Uh, you will find the link in the resources section. So Can you talk about it, why you made it, why you made it this way, you know, laying out the operation like that? Again, in some ways it's sort of insider baseball, but I also think it illustrates the issue so well. Why did you create it and what has the response been?
2: We, uh, for years when we were at the old shelter, I mean, we were full every single day. And so literally our shelter manager at the time, we would have a post up every single day that said, what's leaving? Like we're expecting... 15 dogs in and we have one kennel open all day long. What can leave today? So we have that mindset all the time of what can leave today? Can we get into foster? Does it have a microchip? Should we try to find the owner? Should we drive it around a neighborhood? Like doing all of these things all the time, just having that mindset. But then how do you communicate that urgency to the public without one sounding like you're crying wolf all the time? Um, You can't really go out with the same kind of message every single day and say, we're at capacity, we're at capacity. And for people out in the community, you can say that all day long, and they may have no real insight as to what that means. What does it mean to be full to capacity? People ask me all the time. You know, what happens when you're when you have no more open kennels? And I'm like, we still have to take animals in, so we have to get creative and figure out how to get more animals out of the building. So I said to uh, Katie, who does all of our graphics and our, our TikTok here, um, I said, what if we did this kennel? picture where we literally put a space up for every single kennel that we have. We have dog districts here is what we call them. Um, We put up a space for every single kennel that represents where a dog could live um, while they're here at uh, Casey pet project. And then we put like some sort of like paw print or like a a dot that represents that there's a dog in that kennel. And she's like, I got it. I got this. So she's so great. She just put it together. Um, She put like a key on the side Mm -hmm. to let people know kind of what each, each uh, row was like, you know, if an animal should have both sides of the kennel, but we have two, two dogs um, in a kennel together with the door separator door in between them. So uh, she was really great about putting that together. And uh, we put that up on our Facebook page and the response was fantastic, not only from our community, but also animal welfare really embraced it. Um, and, it was shared on local media stations and they were like, Oh my gosh, look at how many paw prints there are in this photo. Like, and there's like four spaces that don't have paw prints. And so it was really great. The, the response was fantastic. I tried to share it everywhere just as like, hey, if you're looking for inspiration of something else that you can do in your community to show you know, an urgency, um, this is a great option for you. And I've seen some other places do like graphs and things like that, that to show you know, we're at 100% capacity. So we really have to keep thinking about being creative and how we can express that urgency and that we are truly in a crisis without it kind of being said over and over again in the same way?
0: I'm trying to find the right word and and grim isn't right. Bleak, maybe, I suppose. You know, you can look at these types of communications in a couple of ways. One is, man, that's a hard reality, but it's too much and I don't want to know. Or, wow, this is really showing me what's happening. It's very real. And now I'm more motivated than ever to help. Mm -hmm. And finding that line, you know, where you're, Getting people motivated, but not putting them off. I think it's a tough one to find, tough for everyone. You know, Best Friends, we're an incredibly positive organization. It's been that way since the founding of the organization. And it is really important to us that our imagery and messaging be really positive and uplifting and inspiring. But there are hard realities in the business, right? Mm -hmm. About things and you can't really effectively message everything with sunshine and rainbows because it doesn't offer urgency. But then of course you go too far and you're not only not going to get support for this issue, but you may lose people forever because they just don't want to ever risk seeing bad things from you ever again. So how do you strike that balance at KC Pet Projects?
2: Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it really it worked, too, because we had a special at the same time, like a Easter weekend adoption special. And we adopted out 213 animals in four days. So we lowered our dog population by 100 animals. Well, now we have more animals in our shelter today than we had when we posted that graphic in April. So it's like we have to start getting creative again of how we move animals out of here and express that urgency again. And so it just, it's like a never ending cycle of just trying to figure out how to be creative with the messaging, but also like saying, you know, we need fosters. We need, lost and found. We need a few, you know, help with that and getting animals reunited and, you know, getting, getting dogs adopted that maybe have been here longer than others. And how can we creatively market them? And I think about like on a national level that we really all, we talk about this a lot that we all kind of need to figure out a way to come together. And it's, for me, it's like, sort of like, um, you know, right now you're hearing a lot about the baby formula shortage, um, which is just, it's, it is a crisis. It's a national crisis. And like how all of us together, you know, sort of have to put out this message almost together that this is like a a huge reality in municipal shelters that we're experiencing right now. It's worse than ever before. These are not dogs that were adopted during the pandemic that have come back. These are all people's dogs, people's families, pets that are coming into the shelter because of there's these external situations out in our communities. And how can we all kind of get together and, and message that properly? And I don't have that answer Um, I wish I did. I, you know, I help out with with ideas as much as I can. Um, But really, you know, this, this is a a major crisis and we're going into summer months and live release rates are dropping in shelters all over the country um, to, into, you know, numbers that we haven't seen in a really, really long time since I've been in this industry. And it's, it's a frightening thing to, to see right now. And, you know, not to mention the fact that our staff are tired, like, you look at every paw print on that kennel um, graphic and that represents a dog that needs to be fed, needs to have water, needs to have multiple walks a day. It goes to play groups. Like there's so many things that go into the needs and care of that animal while they're here. And you can see, you know, if we have a, a staff and a group of volunteers here every day, it is exhausting to care for that many animals. And so, you know, all of us working together to figure out solutions, <laughs> we live by the motto solutions, not excuses. We're going to figure out a solution. We got to work together. And try to, you know, figure out a way that we can move animals out into homes and get them out of the shelter to make room for the ones that truly do need to be here.
0: I watched a clip from your local news that was showing the graphic and talking about the urgent needs. I mean, if you go right now to Google and search animal shelter full on Google News, there are endless stories from across the country all essentially the same, you know, anchor reads an intro, there's some B-roll, the kennels may or may not have been taken this year, Uh, you know, a soundbite, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, an interview with somebody at the shelter, but it's usually short. And it's a story that the stations and the public, they've heard it before, and they've reported on it the same way before. And, you know, few stations are going to dig into it at all and do anything deeper. So, you know, to, to really make sure you're not just saying the same thing over and over, I I do think it's important to kind of offer a new thing. And, you know, again, you can't rely on the local news to do that, right? And so I think this graphic, you're really offering another way, uh, giving them another way to really visually, in a compelling way, tell that story.
2: You do. And it goes back to, you know, just that transparency factor again. And then along with You know, sharing that graphic, if you are expressing that you're in a crisis and saying we are full, we need adopters, and then you may have barriers in place for people adopting, like if you're like, oh, well, just make an appointment and then come down, and then we might do an application and all of these things. Like we said, we are in a crisis, we need to move animals out today. We started our special a day early um, because, you know, Good Friday was the next day, we started on a Thursday, and we were packed with people on Thursday night, when they got off work, they were like, we're coming down. We're going to adopt a pet tonight. Um, and then we'll have a long weekend that we can have with our new pet. And we had staff here till, you know, 10 o'clock at night processing adoptions because they want them out as much as, as we do. Um, and so they were here, um, Very late hours every day, we were trying to figure out how we can get animals like the adoption process faster, getting feedback from people that were here, learning how we could improve on our processes. So all the time, just trying to, you know, limit those barriers to get animals out of the building and um, you know, getting them out as fast as we possibly can because we're going to get forty or fifty more pets again the next day, and we have to be ready for that every single day.
0: How do you prioritize all of the things, Tori? You know, you said there's a never-ending need for things like adopters and foster homes, and then you've got reoccurring, but you know, sporadic, impossible to plan for things like a natural disaster. You know, or you're supporting another community that's been affected by a natural disaster or whatever there's always a crisis, basically, is what I'm saying. And you know, if you communicate or you act in a way where everything's a crisis, then nothing is a crisis, I think is how that quote goes. So how do you prioritize it? I mean, are you building out a calendar to determine, you know, here's what we're going to talk about today. And then we'll make sure that this thing is spaced out against this thing. That's sort of similar to this other thing.
2: Um, It's so funny because I always have people ask me, like, can you send me an example of your social media calendar? And I don't have one. Um, I've never had one. I wish I was that organized. Um, What we do uh, in our marketing team is actually use Trello. We use a Trello board um, to sort of prioritize uh, what we're working on from a communications perspective. And that includes graphic and video projects and things that we have to get done. So like this weekend, we have a our, one of our annual fundraisers. And so we're working on that combined with the fact that we have more dogs here than we have in our care for, have had in our care for a really long time. So we have to just, it's every day is, is just a hustle and like, okay, let's at this time, let's work on this video project and this graphic. And then at two o'clock we're going to go out and get, You know, video of uh, Nico that's been here for over 100 days. So just always just bouncing back and forth all the time. We keep uh, an open line basically with all of our staff all the time, just saying if you have something, message us. If you have photos, message us. Um, Taking a few seconds and just putting up a thing on Instagram um, about a, a dog or a cat. And so it's just every every single day we come in and we're like, there's really there kind of is a plan today. And here's the things that are essential to get done. But then at the same time, we know that there's going to be 18 other things that pop up throughout the day. So we just really, um, my staff kind of have, has a good understanding that, you know, if, you, if you're if you needed and a camera is needed, you may have to drop everything you're doing and go go get that photo, go get that video. And having your phone on you all the time, because you never know when you're going to have even just a photo opportunity with a dog walking down the hall that maybe needs a new photo for the website or needs a a good social media push. So always being available. I always say that with the media too, because if, if I'm putting out, you know, when we put out that kennel photo, um, actually before we even put that out, I just put up a tweet on our, um, Twitter page that just said, we are at capacity. We have more animals, in our care than ever before, and within eight minutes, I had media requests just from that tweet, and that's what really started just us talking about the fact that we were at a crisis. So all of the media follows us on Twitter. I'm just putting little messages out there all the time, and um, they came they came running within just a less less than ten minutes.
0: Tori, anything else on the crisis part of this? You know, I want to talk uh, more about some of the tactical stuff, but anything specific to the crisis piece that we didn't talk about? Things you've learned to do or maybe not learn to not do
2: yeah I think it's um the hardest part about you know talking about urgency is not if be you can put that message out there, but I never, you'll notice I never put things like in all caps (laughs) and I never blame the community for the crisis situation. That is a big thing. Like I could easily say people are branding their animals here left and right. That is not what we're about. Like we are here to help people. We're here to help people and pets. Um, you know, this is the service that we provide to Kansas city, Missouri. And so, you know, for us, it's like, yes, this is a crisis. Yes, we have a lot of animals here. Here is how you, the person reading this, can help us. Um, and just really trying to bring them along with us all the time and letting them know what, what those issues are and what we are seeing here, here at the shelter, I think is really important and then also i'm i'm really working with leadership on our staff all the time trying to tell them you know it's like you know this is this worked this time but we're going to try this approach this time and i know it worked really well last time but the chances are you know just with the way facebook is and the media like you have to change it all the time and just diversify your messaging and putting different images up and, you know, still communicating. You're still saying the same thing, but you have to do it in a different way or else it will become kind of a stagnant message that people are reading over and over and over again. Um, and that just comes from years of having to say that we're, we're so full. And how do you really say that without, you know, saying the same thing over and over again?
0: Okay. Well, let's do a TikTok. <laughs> okay. Uh, a million followers. I think you said 1.2 million followers you have today, yeah. which is really incredible Uh, And, you know, I do know that more than ever, when it comes to social media, good content is the key. Sure. Tell me about your TikTok strategy, the type of content. And again, I'll probably drop in some audio of your TikToks here as well so folks can get a flavor of them. But talk to me about the strategy for TikTok.
2: Well, TikTok is done by uh, Katie Grissom on our staff. Um, She is very, very good at TikTok. Um, So she has her own personal account too. It's Katie and the Snoots. That's really where she started kind of doing animal related content. What we do from a media perspective is a lot about storytelling. So it's just really trying to talk about, you know, we might be talking about hard to place dogs or things that are going on here, situations that we have going on. And, you know, really it's just telling the story about that dog, maybe the dog's day in here in the, um, in the office area or going out on a walk or a dog day out, whatever it is, it's just talking in very straight, forward terms about what that dog is like
1: this happy boy is named waldo waldo is seven years old and is a volunteer favorite the first and maybe only thing that you notice about waldo is that he loves to chase tennis balls and that
2: dog may you know it may be jumpy mouthy it may not go along with other dogs and might not get you know get along well with kids we don't really kind of put a lot of that information in there we really just talk more about the personality of the dog and we try to do that on every social media platform um the things that we see like those really positive traits of that animal and focusing on that and that all of that just has resonated so much with all of our followers
1: meet tango tango is a seven-year-old hound mix who loves to explore we took Tango on a walk today, and we would like for you to join us as we explore around the pond. We are proving that you
2: can get donations from TikTok. Um, we've raised thousands and thousands of dollars for dogs for surgeries and things like that, and we're getting, you know, donations coming in that we were like, "What is that currency?" Like we're trying to like Google, like where are these donations are coming from. We're like, "Oh, the Netherlands." Okay, cool.
1: What do we do when we have a tiny kitten in such a big kennel? We give it a stuffed animal to keep it company.
2: You know, looking at where where these gifts are coming in. and so that that messaging, um, even the way that it's presented, is very broad. It's not like talking about Kansas City landmarks and things like that. You're like we're really just saying this dog could live anywhere. And most of the time we have dog, you have dogs in your community that are just like the ones we have here. So it'll hopefully open a little a few more hearts and minds too to some animals um, in communities all over the country and even internationally.
0: Man, it's so interesting. And I'm glad you mentioned the donations because that really was going to be my biggest question. But what is the ROI? You know, a million followers, that's great. But are those folks taking action in any way? You know, I used to manage the social media for best friends a long, long time ago, like so long ago, uh, it was back when we had a MySpace page, uh, and everything has changed so much. You know, Facebook, which I think used to be really great for all of us, really isn't so much anymore, uh, is what I understand. But we're all limited with time and budget, and so we want to make sure we're getting the right return. Where does TikTok fit into your strategy for driving actions?
2: Yeah, we are. Um, you know, if, it, if there's a pet that is um, for like our, we have our Roadrunner Medical Fund um, that's here. You know, if we have a pet that's got you know a veterinary concern or needs a major surgery or something like that, um, we really try hard to work with the vet clinic um, to try to capture as much video content as we can right at the start. And even we just put up a story about Vivian and put up a lot of videos about her. That was literally, we were listening to the radio with our animal services call and they said, we have a dog that comes in, that's coming in. We need a gurney. We were like, okay, we're going to be there <laughs> just in case. Um, so we like ran to the garage and just met him there as they were unloading her off, off the truck. And she had pyometra, pyrometra and they did a life saving surgery to. I mean, literally just saved her life. She would have died probably hours later. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, took a lot of risks with her too, just to try to save her. And it was, she just got adopted last weekend. So and really documenting her story the whole time that she was here and putting up continuous stories about her um, and letting the public know too, it's like, she's not out of the woods yet, you know, but we're doing everything we can to help her. And that transparency piece, again, then builds into all of that with, uh, you know, if something does happen to the pet, if the pet doesn't make it or anything, you have to share that with your supporters because um, that will help build trust in your community. And it will let them know too, if, you know, they did give towards that, then the, your, their donation went, went towards a good cause. You tried your hardest and now their gift might go help to an, another dog like Vivian. So you know, for us, we put up a link on there and said, you know, if if you can, if you can donate towards her care, that would be great. We are getting a lot of donations from TikTok. Now, TikTok doesn't have as robust of a donation platform as Facebook does. And Facebook's is, is difficult to work with as well. You don't really get a lot of information or anything like that. So TikTok, you know, we're just sharing our normal donation link and still seeing major results coming in. And Facebook just seems to be making things harder all the time. Uh, But it's it's still a platform that we use to get the information out. But really with reels on Instagram and TikTok, we can be a lot more creative and share those videos. I mean, I tell people all the time, videos are the ways to get these long stay dogs out of here. Just if you haven't tried making a little video about them, and most of ours are done on our cell phones, Um, then that's your first thing to try because it shows the animal and and their personality, getting them out of the kennel and showing them, you know, going out on a dog day out or just taking a walk with them shows them in the way that an an adopter would be interacting with them. And so that's your biggest goal is show them what what that pet's going to be like in your home.
0: With your live release rate at 97%, Uh, I I have to imagine you've got a lot of special needs animals you're caring for as well. That's another huge challenge.
2: It's more than ever before. We have more animals that um, have some behavior concerns, some challenges. Maybe they um, came in with some notes uh, from the home that we need to work through. We work with our training staff here and our canine care team. And even if we can do things like just having them in our office space where it's quiet Um, there's, you know, less noise and they may be able to just take a nap. If we can like help them, um, just by showing them in a space here, we do that a lot. And, um, you know, just taking them out again, um, focusing on those things. We do, um, uh, Instagram takeovers as well with some dogs that are in foster that are harder to place dogs that are in foster, which are great. Uh, we literally hand over the keys to our Instagram account to one of our foster families for the day. And they just show what it's like in the day of the life of that dog. And those are amazing um, opportunities. And one day he even um, one of our fosters put up the thing like ask me a question about fostering. And he had like 50 questions that people asked. They're all curious. They're like, what is it like? How did I get started? You know, what made you want to do this? How hard is it to give them up for adoption? You know, all of those questions that people have all the time, they maybe feel like they can't ask you, but they can ask a peer. It was so great. Um, We even have it up on our highlight reel on our Instagram account. I think I believe it's still there Um, because all of those questions, he just did such a great job answering those and people were hearing from somebody like them. And so um, just doing things like that, being open and transparent, being available to people to answer those questions uh, is is such a great way to get people involved. And we do that a lot, you know, even on TikTok, Instagram takeover.
0: You say that you mean you turn your account over your main KC pet project Instagram over to a foster parent, yes, and they just like but within
2: reason, right? I mean, are you approving what they're putting up? No, no, we just I know, right? I know, so you're like, what? Uh, so, um, no, we work, I mean, we have people that have done it quite a bit that will do it. And, you know, just kind of giving them some guidelines. I do, you know, go over like, here are our brand guidelines. I do make them, you know, sign that they will in fact, log out, do all those things, um, that they won't delete our Instagram, you know, things like that. But it's people that, you know, have done it, have done it before, but literally it's just showing, we make a cute little graphic that says tomorrow, you know, you're going to hear from King Tuts foster. And they just show literally what King Tut does like on a Saturday, which is a lot of sleeping, eating breakfast, (laughs) you know, laying on the couch, going for a walk, just doing dog things. Uh, And those are so great, especially on stories to do little videos and stuff like that, showing them. But those are really fun. Um, We should probably do more of them because they are, they are quite popular. And if you are a social media Person for your organization, you know, you work seven days a week because social media is seven days a week. So, um, you know, being able to take a Saturday off occasionally and give it to somebody else is, is kind of nice for me too.
0: God I'd be so nervous. I think, I mean, you're saying do that and take a day off, but I think I would just be refreshing the feed, like over and over on edge, waiting to see what was posted. Um, I mean, you're saying it's successful. That's great, but it's good content either way. Right. And they surely this volunteer would send you things for you to post. Is it noticeably more effective, do you think, to have it truly be a takeover in that way?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, he can answer, they can answer questions so much better about that dog than I can. So, and if we get messages, he's checking the messages, making sure, you know, that that those messages are coming in. I keep saying he, because Chris is one of, our, one of our fosters who helps with this. And he also has a really successful personal Instagram account that he uses to promote his foster dogs to um that's been featured like on the dodo and things like that. So he's really good at this stuff. But really for that, it's just, yeah, he's the one that knows the dog the best. And he can answer those questions and talk about him in a way that I could talk about him. Or I can make him do all the work and write them out and then I post them. But for for this purposes, it's just like it's just so much easier for him just to put little gifts up and videos. And, you know, I kind of give them a few like little pointers here and there, and then off they run.
0: It's so smart from a program's perspective. Also, I think, because Chris, I think you said his name was, he's got this experience. He's got his own successful Instagram account. So great. We know he, you know, he knows what he's doing, but you're really also able to deepen the engagement with this super committed volunteer and keep them engaged into the future.
2: Yeah, we really try to instill within all of our leadership here that, you know, fosters and volunteers are an essential part of our team. We are required to have volunteer roles in every, you know, area of our of our organization. And so uh, we are, the volunteers are the lifeblood of our organization. We couldn't do it without them. And so, you know, for us, we try to get really creative. We're using Trello now to try to write bios. Um, it was kind of this byproduct of thing of COVID that we were getting dogs adopted so fast. We didn't even have time to write a bio for them. Well, now they're, you know, they've been here three months and they still don't have a bio. So we're kind of having to start over in that way in um, training new volunteers that are, have come on board of how to write bios with us. And uh, cause we can't do it all ourselves. We absolutely have to have help with that. But, you know, in a lot of areas of our organization, we have volunteers that manage volunteers and it's just like we have, 1900 people who actively give, give time, um, to our organization every year. So it's a, it's a huge, huge team of people. And we always, we always need more and we just couldn't do it without them.
0: Tori, we've covered a lot of ground. We've been going for a while, so much helpful information. Again, examples of all of these things, link in your show notes area of your podcast player, or you can visit bestfriends.org slash podcast, click on the link for episode 112, but just some parting words, you know, people out there really are struggling right now. And We're not even into the summer months. So I don't know if it's words of wisdom or just anything else that you can offer folks who are out there right now trying to save lives.
2: Yeah. I think the biggest thing, this is, this is hard. Uh, It's hard work, what we do. And really, unless you work in it day to day, you don't understand the level of, you know, the level of hard work that happens here every single day. And, you know, the compassion fatigue that we talk about is very real. And, Over the past ten years, you know, I've I've seen a lot here, and just going in every single day with that "solutions, not excuses" motto—it sounds a little silly, but that is really what drives us. And every single day, if there is a challenge, just instead of saying, "Oh my gosh, I'm tired, I just can't even do it," if there's a challenge, you say, "How can I fix this? How? What can I do? Is there something that I can do to make this challenge easier for myself, for our staff, for our volunteers, for the community? What is it?" And just constantly trying to be creative, be open. Um, I'm literally just walking around the building on some days, just checking in with people. What do you need? Is there something going on? Like, what can I help with? Do we need supplies? Like, what is it? Um, And if you are the type of organization that, you know, maybe just closes things down and, you know, says, well, you know, these people will figure it out. We're not going to get input from anybody else over here. Then that's not going to lead to success. It's going to lead to burnout. So just really getting, getting with your team listening to that feedback, trying to get creative. Um, My team will sit down occasionally and we just like say, okay, what, what ideas do you have? Like what, what else could we be doing? What are some fun things that we could try? And um, usually we come up with some really, really good ideas that we can then try here. And if it works, we can share it with other communities. So just getting that feedback all the time and not giving up. I think that's the hardest thing. It's just like, okay, I could easily go to another job and you know maybe make the same amount of money and i could go home at five o'clock and not think about the 240 dogs that are here (laughs) in the building um but this is important work it's important to our communities it's important people you know pets just are such an essential part of our lives and everybody deserves the love of a pet so stay in it keep going and you know, work together as a team to, to face these obstacles that we're going to face. And also just, you know, reach out to other shelters to get ideas, get on these calls, go to webinars, go to conferences and, and learn from each other because you're not, you're not alone. Whatever you're feeling at your shelter, you're not alone.
0: Thank you to Bethany Hines, Kayla Sebo, Whitney Blyton, Kim Clanch Tawny Hammond, and Mark Peralta for helping to produce this program. My name is John Dunn, and this is the Best Friends Podcast.